Hi everyone, I'm Dan Duva, radio play-by-play broadcaster for the Golden Knights. Welcome to the official Vegas Golden Knights podcast, Sheriff Lawless and some guy named Dave. Our guests today are straight from the D Hotel in downtown Las Vegas, Derek Stevens and Darren Banks. Derek, owner of the D and Banksy, a longtime pro hockey player, and now the D's executive casino host. Derek and Darren join us for a special announcement, and they stick around for our Razor Fold segment. We also get into a couple more dramatic victories for the VGK. Smith's overtime winner, Tuck's shootout winner, overreactions around the league this year, video review for offsides, all-star ballots, and potential expansion cities. Plus, when will Marc-Andre Fleury get back in the Vegas lineup? And is there a better father-son experience than an NHL road trip? Fact check, three stars, and more. It's hashtag SLGND. Sheriff, Lawless, and some guy named Dave. And now, here's Dave. All right, Dan Duva, thanks very much. Coming to you from our studios in Vegas, the Sheriff, Lawless, and some guy named Dave podcast. Hashtag SLGND. It's great to have you with us. And this is a big day for us. We've done uh, these podcasts here for a couple of months, um, and we... We've, uh, we have a presenting sponsor here for the podcast. So Derek Stevens, Darren Banks from the D Hotel. And Derek, you were part of the Founding 75 before there were the Golden Knights. Um, jumped on board real early to be a big supporter of this team. And I guess my first question is, what made you get involved with us us four dopes here to be the presenting sponsor? <laughs> well, first I'd say, I mean, Dave, did you lose a bet? I mean, come on now. <laughs> Dave, Dad, Gary, and uh, and here, uh, Silky Smooth Shane over here. Oh, my. Thanks for having us over here. You know, uh, you know, I, I grew up in Detroit, and I got to see what the Red Wings did to the community. And, uh, you know, when it first came out... Uh, we got to know uh, the Maloose pretty well over the years, and they said, "Why don't you come on, uh, come on and join, uh, join in with this group here?" And we went down to the Palms, and uh, we had a we had a pretty good meeting. Uh, they asked everybody to sell sell a few tickets, and they asked people they wanted to join into this. And uh, you know, I just felt that Las Vegas and this community was so ready for a major league franchise, and was so ready to embrace their first and and, and their own team. I actually think having an expansion team here so this is Vegas's own team had a lot to do with this success and uh you know we always thought that this was going to be uh, just just something great for the community and we wanted to jump in right at right at the beginning well Derek you made a very generous donation of a hundred thousand dollars to the to Vegas Golden Knights uh, foundation here uh, as part of uh, a partnership right off the bat so the D hotel now the official downtown hotel of the Vegas Golden Knights. Have you have you listened to any of these podcasts? Do you know what you're getting yourself into here? I mean, <laughs> I, I actually am. I actually have. Oh I, listened, I listened to McCriven last week. It was good. You guys, he's the one. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, if you listen to Kelly last week, so do, do you hang your own Christmas lights outside? Uh, I was astonished that he admitted to not hanging his own Christmas lights. <laughs> well, you know, I try to stay away from dangerous behavior. And all. <laughs> you know, I, I, the worst thing I want to do is fall off a, fall off a bench at Long Bar while we're watching hockey. But, uh, but uh, no, I'm not hanging my own lights. There you go. So he's smart, too, Dave. Well, yeah, for sure. Well, Derek, Derek uh, Stevens, Darren Banks, our guest of the day here on the Hashtag SLGND podcast. Darren Banks, want to welcome you in, Banksy. And um, uh, who's the bigger icon of Detroit, yourself or Derek? 
Well, definitely Derek Stevens. <laughs> <laughs> Not me at all. I'm a, I'm a former Canadian, so, you know, I've been yeah, you're implanted. You're close to the border. You're well, close yeah, enough. We're, we're yeah. South Detroit from Windsor, so um, he's a bigger icon in Detroit. I'm just, you know, I just tag on his coattails. So I remember you, you know, I talked, when we first met, you know, I worked in Providence, Rhode Island 100 years ago, and I was there after you were there playing for the Providence Bruins. So what... How did you get all involved now, the D Hotel and Derek, and where did this start for you? Well, I met Derek back in Detroit back in yeah. many years ago when I was a lot younger. And, uh, and you know, he just gave me an opportunity to come out here to Vegas, and, you know, you can't shovel hot air. So I was <laughs> jump right on board and get out to Vegas in a heartbeat. So uh, I love being out here, and, and we love having a hockey team here. I was so excited when uh, they decided to have the Knights here. When it, uh, you mentioned, Derek, you got behind this team right away. And, and now that you've watched this start, we just saw them get their 11th win at home already. Uh, did you envision it having this much of an impact already, just with the success this team has had? You know, I, I thought the, the Golden Knights were going to have a great impact in, in, in all of Las Vegas. Um, obviously, I think, I think the performance has just enhanced it. I mean, and, and I think, you know, the element of how great these players are and they're out in the community and the coaches and, Really, all you guys. Uh, I, I mean, I think that's just made it even even that much more special. But I, I always thought that Vegas was ready. I think Vegas for twenty years. Um, there's a lot of a lot of sports that thought Vegas wasn't the right town for a for a major league uh, franchise. But uh, I always felt it was, and and I think it couldn't have been better to, than having the Golden Knights as the first team. Did you guys go to the game when the Red Wings were in town? Were you? Uh, around? Yeah, we were definitely there. We had a big crowd. And uh, who were you rooting for? Uh, well, you know, a little bit of both, you know, I'll be honest, you know, I'm a Red Wing alumni member, so I got to root for them a little bit, but I'm a Knights fan now, you know, and I wear the gear and as you can see, I still wear the Red Wing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that. Did I you did. pay for it? Of course I don't. <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> That's obvious. So my partner mentioned to me, Derek, the other night, he had a, a wonderful night out at your, oh, at your place. Fantastic. And, uh, where did the concept of the long bar come from? Well, you know, we, we had a little bit of space. And a long time ago, I was in Shanghai. There's this bar called the Long Bar. And and uh, to be honest, I asked the guy, why is, a long, why, why is it called the Long Bar? And in, in his own accent, he gave he gave out a, a reason. I can't probably say it on here. But basically, it was a long effing bar, right? Yeah. So I thought, if I ever grow up and build our own bar, let's let's make a, let's make a long bar and let's let's Vegasize it. So put some machines out, lots of sports everywhere. So we kind of designed it out on a napkin on on a place that, uh, you know, myself and my buddies would want to hang out at. You know, when there's when you got 10, 12 games on and you want to see them all, uh, I figured you, you needed to have, a, a you know, more than a couple of TVs. Well, and, and I've been there, and it, you do. It's certainly sports uh, involved with all the TVs, and, and it's kind of scary when I think of it. It's all HD, too, and, and you see these three guys, these mugs, <laughs> Lawman, Dave and I, it's all in HD, so it's a little scary. Thank goodness we use the makeup. I don't know if anyone needs to see that. <laughs> it's a lot of makeup up there. <laughs> The um, this this concept of the of the Golden Knights and you talked about it, Derek in terms of uh, uh, having Vegas having its own team and its own franchise and being Vegas born is that something that you sensed in your time here people were clamoring for for a while and it must be unbelievable to, to see this start the first couple of months the way it's gone. You know, I had a great great uh, um, I thought opportunity to feel it because you know I own the AAA baseball team here for six years. And I got to meet a lot of the fans, a lot of the customers, and and you just had that feeling that as soon as one team came here, boy, they were going to jump on it. And it's interesting because 
Obviously, the people didn't grow up with hockey here, but obviously Vegas is also a city with a lot of transplants, and everybody has this team. So when it all it all just kind of came together, and I felt I felt when I was talking to uh, you know Gavin and uh, Joe and George Maloof, and then and then with Bill Foley, and then got to meet all you guys here. Uh, you know, I just felt that this thing was all galvanizing, and this thing this thing was just gonna just gonna be terrific. How did you end up in Vegas? Like, what is your, you know, how does a guy from Michigan who end up uh, leaving? I know you've had a successful business and family business in Michigan for a long time. What happens that brings you to Vegas? Well, yeah, I still have a business in Detroit, so I'm back and forth uh, often, and uh, I'm looking forward to going to see the Golden Knights play the Red Wings in uh, in March over at the new Little Caesars Arena. But I've got a business there, and I wanted to diversify, and I bought the Golden Gate Hotel and Casino as my first investment in Vegas, and uh you know, it worked out okay. So, so then we started. We said we're going to like this business. We're going to grow in it. And you know, then we then we uh, we bought Fitzgerald's, which, which is now the D Las Vegas, and now we're working on our third project. Now, Banksy, it's always fun to to go to a guy's hockey DB page and see where uh, where he's been. Yours is a freaking jog geography lesson. <laughs> <laughs> All over North America, you played. You had uh, you had a fun career. Yeah, well, keep turning the page. It's like a book there. You just keep going. You know, I want to know what, what your fa- favorite place was. Port Huron, Knoxville, Jacksonville. Like it goes Utica. A couple stops with the Vipers. Yeah, he was in Utica for a stretch. Providence. There's a few cities on here. Well, there and Boston a, and Detroit, of course. Well, as well. yeah, I, I tried everything. I wanted to go everywhere, and you know, it was like you know, we just traded you. Some guys got upset. I was like the happy guy. Okay, let's try a new spot. You know, it was. Uh, I've been a lot of places, played for a lot of teams, had a lot of, lot of teammates, you know. And and one of the things guys will remember is I keep in contact with a lot of guys, and you know, people I run into all the time are like, I can't believe you still talk to that guy. I can't believe you still talk. But I talk to everybody, you know. And I just, you know, I enjoy meeting these guys and still having fun and being friends with them today. I met you. You were playing at Brock University with a buddy of mine named Scott Stan. Like that's when I met you. Eons ago, that was the, and I already knew who you were, but uh, there was, uh, you know, you've had a, you've had a bunch of a bunch of different stops, met a bunch of people. I just noticed you played in Quebec City for a little while. We had this conversation the other day. The best hot dog in the NHL. How good was the? <laughs> how good was the hot dog at Le Colisee? Uh, the Shen Show was the best thing I've ever had. And when the game was over, I never forget it. Ray Bork had fifty Shen Shows. In the dressing room for all the boys. It was uh, that's how I got introduced to it. It was the best thing. And if you ever get a chance to go to Quebec, you got to try it. You you mentioned and Gary ran down the, uh, the you know the four or five pages of places you played. Um, who had the biggest impact on you though, Banksy? When you look back in your career, who jumps out on the forefront of your mind? You know, and believe it or not, I'll say happy birthday to him. From yesterday was Bobby Francis, uh, yeah. one of the best coaches I ever had uh, back in Salt Lake City. He was, uh, him and Jamie Hislop were our head coaches, and they were in better shape than the players. I mean, those two guys worked out, you know, and back in those days, we didn't really work out, and the coaches were working out, and it made you, you're almost embarrassed, you know, and they worked hard and made us work hard on the ice, and uh, he was probably my biggest influence. And then, obviously, you know, playing in the Boston Bruins with uh, Brian Sutter, he was so intense every day at practice, you know, three days before a game, and you thought it was game day, like he was... Really, really intense, and it helped me a lot. But, you know, I had a different personality. I like to goof around a lot, and some coaches didn't like that. So, you know, listen, I was ready to go when the puck got dropped. But before that, you're not getting me any. I wasn't going to be very serious. Now, how many times were you and Shane on uh, on the ice together? Was there? Oh, let's just get down to it. Was there ever a stare down? 
No, uh, unfortunately. I think we played against each other in the IHL, and uh, we'd have to look at the page. I believe it was around that 96-7 season, around in there, where you were with the Vipers. Yeah, I remember I, you being in Grand Rapids. Yeah, right? that's where you're we're a young from. guy, and one, you're one of those guys that'd be like, "Well, he's probably a tough guy, but you know what? You're gonna have to earn your spot to come uh, after me." I know. <laughs> I, 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 and there was a there's a lot of bad choices to make on the Vipers, and I remember uh, I, I think I, the one choice I picked was Phil Crow, and uh, yeah, I, all the big, tall, tough guy, and a lot of left hands, and uh, I think that was. I heard it twice that year. I fought Mel Engelstad, too, which was not a smart decision. And both times, it was nighty night for nighty. Uh, I didn't get knocked out cold. But, but that, usually, you're not winning a fight when that comes on. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, they were yeah, you're an older. They had a scary team. They had, they had him. They had Andy Bezo, I think. Too. He was. Yeah. Well, he was. He was scary because he just. You guys. You know. You knew you were tough guys. Bezo was. He was just crazy. Yeah. He was. He was a scary guy to play. You know. Against. Because he'd fight anybody, and yeah. he wasn't that big. So, and if he lost a fight, then it was like, okay, well, nighty, you beat that guy up. Well, you're gonna have to take on one of us now. So, you know, a lot of guys didn't want to fight him just because you had to deal with the other, the rest of us. And he was scary hockey player. I love the kid, and I mean, I still talk to him. How, where do you stand, Banksy? On fighting, really has you know diminished dramatically here over the last bunch of years. Uh, for someone that's wired the way you are and the way you played, where do you stand on that? Well, it's tough for me some days. You know, I get upset, and I actually had people in the, in our suite last night watching the game, and they're like, "Where's the fights?" And I'm like, hey, "You're not going to see any." But you know, it, the game's faster. It's a lot faster. It's exciting. I would still like to see a tussle once in a while. Um, you guys got to show each other respect, and I don't think they do anymore. So you know, I, but that's the way the game's going, and if that's the way it's going to be, I got to watch it and enjoy it. I will. Well, Derek Stevens, Darren Banks from the D Hotel, the official downtown hotel of the Vegas Golden Knights. Be sure to check it out. Watch parties, fan events. Um, they're our official presenting sponsor here of the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Derek, you're, um, you mentioned the, owning the baseball team here uh, in Vegas. Uh, some of the names that came through, through here, for guys like us who really aren't familiar with when, the, when you had a AAA team and you owned it, who came through here and who went on? I think Buster Posey, was he kind of part of it here for a few years? Well, you know, uh, when I owned it for the six years, four years, we were the Toronto Blue Jays uh, AAA affiliate. So we had a lot of Blue Jays come through here. And uh, guys like uh, first-round draft pick J.P. Aaron Sebia was one of the players, Ricky Romero. Um, we had a lot of guys that came down on rehabs, a lot of Blue Jays guys. And before that, we had uh, we were with the Dodgers. So we we, we had uh, guys like Nomar Garcia-Para, James Loney, uh, Sean Kemp, we had, uh, and we actually had Clayton Kershaw actually down here. He uh, he came up uh, on uh, on his last year before before he made it to the majors, and uh, and and he was on the team for about a week. Uh, he didn't last in AAA too long, as you can understand. How are you enjoying uh, the being able to come to the rink and and have have a major professional sports team in Vegas that you can call yourself part of? Oh, I mean, this is just terrific here. Uh, you know, the, the, this this team that that's been put together that you and that you guys have put together is just it's really just amazing. I'm I'm so happy for Las Vegas. I'm so happy for the community and 
and and actually, you know, with it from my business as well. I mean, you know, this is terrific. You know, we've got we've got uh, we've got our suite, we've got our glass seats that you know we're selling. We're, we're bringing people in from all over the country. Um, you know, everybody likes to go to Vegas, but now we've got a really great reason to have people come on come into Vegas. So I, I I'm just so all in on this, and and uh, I, I I really wasn't planning on a playoff run here in the spring, but boy oh boy, <laughs> after the first third of the season, it's it's making you think a little bit. And as you host these people that have come in, and probably some of them had never seen hockey, what has been what has been the response? Like, is there something that catches them first and foremost? The speed, the the physical aspect. What is it they enjoy about the game of hockey? Well, it's funny you say that, Shane, because I've gone I've gone now to three games. Um, with people that have never seen a hockey game before. My assistant's one of them, and, and we went out, and we sat right in the first row, right on these glass seats, and just it's absolutely the speed. I don't think there's any sport that translates uh, in, in the same manner between on ice and, and at the rink versus on television. The speed is the most stunning thing, and when you're sitting right there and you you hear, you, you, you know, you, you hear the you hear the puck moving. You hear guys hitting each other. It's uh, it's just amazing, and I think that's probably the one takeaway that everybody that's never seen a hockey game here is just like, oh my god, I had such a great time. I can't wait to go back. And and it's funny you say that because I, I, like Banksy, I did my tours around some teams, and I actually played for the Baton Rouge Kingfish of the ECHL way back when it was the inaugural season. They had hockey down in Louisiana and Baton Rouge. And the people down there compared it. They said it was the speed and then the physicality of the game. They compared it. It's a combination of two favorite things down south, NASCAR and football. And they thought it was the, the two aspects they loved of that brought onto ice. So, yeah, it's always interesting to get the feedback from first-time hockey fans. And it's always better to be at the game than watch us on television. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who's kidding who here? Well, it, it's fun no matter whether you're watching on TV or in person, maybe at the long bar at the D. And, and guys, you know, here on the podcast, we're all about having fun. And so we've got special segments designed for fun. One of them is called Razor Fold, the segment we could only do in Vegas. Would, would you guys mind sticking around for Razor Fold? Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't have a choice. We've, we've locked the doors <laughs> to the studio, locked, actually. Actually, so, I know you're so you're in. Great. Well, it's it's fun. We'll see see what we can do. What do you think, Dave? Sure, let's do it. All right. All right, here we go. Razor fold. All right, so uh, first off, do we, we're going to have the na- naughty or nice ticket packages. Those are available as well. You gonna Do you want to tell people about that, Dan? Knock well, it out. Knock well, we, we could certainly do All that right. if you like. Cool. The packages starting at just 399 bucks, and each package features two tickets to three different Golden Knights games and a $50 food and beverage credit that you could use right there at T-Mobile Arena for Golden Knights games. And in conjunction with Golden Friday specials, Fans can also add a fourth game to their package for as low as just 35 bucks. Golden Knights against the Carolina Hurricanes at 7 o'clock on December the 12th. So, get your naughty and nice packages by visiting VegasGoldenKnights.com. I guess we're getting close to the holidays if we're having naughty and nice packages. Not naughty or nice, but naughty and yeah. nice. A little bit of both. A little bit of both. Sugar and salt. Sounds like fun. There you go. All right, Dan, thanks very much. So, raise your fold, guys. Here we go, and this is a um, couple of these are tailored towards the Detroit and the, and the Michigan ties. Razor <laughs> Fold, the biggest implosion. The Silver Dome or Harbaugh's time in Michigan. Razor Fold. Oh, I'm going to get a kick out of this one. I've been to the Silver Dome so many times, and there was so much disappointment in the place. There is no more <laughs> fitting ending that tried to blow the sub bitch up, and it didn't go down. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess that's a raise. Is that correct? Yeah, 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 that's, yeah. That's, a, yeah that's a firm raise. 
Banksy, Banksy, where do you stand on it? Well, again, the Silver Dome. I've been there many a times myself, and I, you know, I called Derek as soon as I seen that. I'm trying to blow it up, and it just, I'm like, it's still standing. It, it won't go down. <laughs> you know, and it was unbelievable. And it was, it's a great place, but it was a lot of stories there. It's like this explosion of the Silverdome has blanked out their memory of what has gone on under the, in the Harbaugh era at Michigan. I am going to raise on Jim Harbaugh's time at Michigan being the biggest implosion. Well, since I'm not, I, I don't know a lot about college football. I admit it. Uh, although I'm now back in the U.S., so I, I. But I did see the Silverdome thing, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go along with uh, Banksy and Derek on that one. Uh, and raised on that one, the uh, the implosion of the Silverdome. Uh, to me, it's the Silverdome, because at least with Michigan, there's uh, not too long ago some success that can be pointed to. The Silverdome, for the most part, uh, it just, okay, so you've got Barry Sanders. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what else? Uh, you know. So I, I go Silverdome. Now I'll dude. raise on the Silverdome, too. And here, here's you know, obviously the, the home of the Lions for all those years, but you got, you would remember this, when the Pistons right. were playing games at the Silverdome. And my back in... A long time ago, you know, Boston guy and the Celtics and the Pistons, it was great. One Lambeer clothesline bird. You remember that, don't you, Derek, in the 87 Conference Final? Me too. And uh, so the Silverdome, just I'll raise on that. That that place could not, even though it took it, it was a challenge for them to get rid of it, they finally did get rid of it. So we get a bunch of raises and uh, the lawman going against the grain, as usual, on the Harbaugh thing. I like it. Razor fold on the Red Wings. They're in a tailspin. Do you make a change to the top? In Detroit, I don't know how you want to go up on the food chain there, but I'll start with you, Maxie. Well, I think they're going to have to get rid of the head coach. I mean, uh, you know, he's just not getting it done there. You know, obviously it's going to spin upwards, and Kenny Holland's got to be next. I mean, but the coach has got to go. He's think something's got to change there. You got to do something drastic, and GM's not going to fire himself first. He's going to fire the coach first. So that's a raise. A change, raise. change at the top. What do you think, Derek? Mm-hmm. Well, you know. I'm going to ask a question. Where's the top? Because because I'm <laughs> right. I'm a pretty loyalist uh, type of guy, and uh, you know Mike Gillich is a guy that uh, actually meant a lot to me, and you know growing up in Detroit, and and uh, you know it's just a year since his passing, and I know his family's doing everything they can. Um, I, I think what they've done with Little Caesars Arena and District Detroit, and how that's going to going to be helpful for the for the Detroit community, but but for hockey overall. Um, you know, I'm not going to say anything negative about anybody because I because I think what Mike Gillich and his family's done for Detroit and Little Caesars. Uh, so I guess I, I'm going to go on the fold side of yep. things. Okay. I'm going to stay off. I'm going to stay out of that 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 uh, any any raise opportunity. Here. Okay. Yeah. When I say the top, I I think of Ken Holland and uh, and I'm folding on that. I'm not getting rid of Ken Holland. This is to me one of the the smartest hockey men on the planet. You know, we watched three-on-three last night. That's uh, the innovation of Ken Holland. I think he understands hockey in a a brilliant way. He won Stanley Cups there. There's a cost to winning Stanley Cups. You have to spend money. You you have to trade away younger players. You have to re-sign. And in a cap world, when you re-sign older players and keep them around to try and keep winning – that puts you in a precarious spot, and if those guys don't deliver, this is what happens. You you start you crater. So uh, I think Ken Holland needs uh, to be given the time if he wants to do it. Because let's face it, uh, there's a lot of energy involved in a rebuild. But if Ken Holland wants to rebuild the Detroit Red Wings, I got all the time in the world for that. This is a team that made the playoffs for 25 years, and. Uh, a little blip. They won last night, a big win. So, you know, maybe things have turned around. Jeff Blaschel, 
Uh, I think he's a very good, smart guy. I got to cover him last year in the World Championships. Uh, he, he was head coach of Team USA. I think he's right now. There, there, there's a switch there. They're they're kind of in a mid rebuild. They're not a complete rebuild, but there's some things. You lose a guy like Pavel Datsuk, you're you're gonna come off it a bit. There, there. He's just one of the you know best players at both ends of the ice that came through the National Hockey League. I think Ken Holland, uh, you know what he's been able to do over the years there. I'm going to hold, you know, and be a little patient on this one. Obviously, this is a, a win business, and if you don't win, things need to change. But uh, I, I'm always one to be a little bit more patient. I put the I put the onus on the players here. They turned it around last night. We'll wait and see. So I'll, I'll fold for now. I'm with you, Sheriff, in, in terms of waiting and seeing. I mentioned Jeff Blashill. He was the coach of the Grand Rapids team that won the Calder Cup five years ago. Different coach last year in Grand Rapids, but they won the Cup again. Point is, the pipeline for the Red Wings is pretty strong. They've had success at the American League level. Blashill, first time as an NHL head coach and a player's coach. I mean, he was at Western Michigan. You've got that background. You can see that the first time you're a head coach, there might be some bumps in the roads. We think about Mike Babcock. He had stops before he ended up there with the Red Wings. Uh, for this point in time... I'm going to I'm going to hold for now on on the Red Wings. Yeah, I'm going to fold too and you know Shane it's said 25 years in a, in a row making the playoffs and I think it's hard to rebuild and still continue to win at the same time. I think it's hard to do that simultaneously. You know, they've got some guys from those glory years and Zetterberg and Cronwall still around, but they've also got younger guys like Athanasiu and Larkin, Nyquist would fit in that. Um Mantha who we saw here. So it does require, as you said, some level of patience. Retool um, is sort of the, the yeah. thing in the middle if it's not a rebuild. And the only guy that yeah. really has done that successfully in the last little while is Doug Wilson in San Jose. They yeah. got up to the top of the mountain, and then he needed to kind of to make some changes. And San Jose has, has stayed near the top, but making those that, that retool on the fly is a massive challenge in a salary cap world. Yeah, tough to do. Tough to do. So I fold on it just because I think it's going to take some time to do it. Um, and it's not always easy, but um, they're trying to kind of do do both things at the same time anyways. It's interesting because you, you talk around the league and you talk to teams and, and they think of models to go after. It's always the Red Wings, the way they draft, develop. They, I didn't have the top picks, but they put a model in place that the most teams in the NHL look at. And before they were doing it, it was always drafting on hockey IQ and skating ability. So those have become two of the biggest things now in the NHL in 2017-18 season. People looking for guys that can skate and they can think the game. And a great example of that, Steve Eiserman with the Red Wings. And, of course, you know, he's Ken Holland's there. So Steve goes to Tampa. And look what the Lightning have done with that exact mentality. They're the best team in the league right now. All right, a couple of more guys on, on Razor Fold. Uh, Ron Hextall um, in Philadelphia said earlier in the week that uh, their coach, Dave Hextall, no relation, spelled different, is going to be the coach for the rest of the season. So Razor Fold on this, it seems like it's a constant carousel of, Hired to be fired in terms of, of coaches. Do you raise or fold on that, Banksy? What do you think? I have no idea what Ron has going on there. <laughs> <laughs> hired a coach. Of course you hired him to keep him. Away. Um, I mean, St. Louis last year, I think it was Hitchcock, said he wasn't going to coach anymore. And they're putting Mike Yo and uh, sitting in the backgrounds waiting to coach the team. And I'm like, the guy's ready to quit with another guy behind him, and then he takes another job. You know, I, I couldn't figure that out. So... Good luck to the coach in Philadelphia. Um, I'm not raising, I'm not folding, I'm not doing anything. Just wishing him good luck. <laughs> Derek, what do you think? Well, I'm not a big fan of changing, changing coaches all the time. I think, uh, you know, when you make that decision, it's a big decision. And particularly when you change uh, 
We need to change some of the culture. I mean, when you have offensive-minded coaches, defensive-minded coaches, it's the same thing in business. You can't you can't change cultures all that easily. And uh, I think when you make that call on, 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 uh, on who your coach is, you better be ready to stick with it for a while. You better get the right players that, that, that fit the system. You know, you can have players that may not fit a different system that come into your organization and do well, and and you can have vice versa as well. So I guess I would fold. I'd rather uh, I'd rather stick with the philosophy and and, uh, and and live with it for a little bit. Yeah, I'm folding on it too, and for a, a number of reasons. Derek eloquently just stated a bunch of them. You bring a guy in, you believed in him, you believed in his philosophy. You have to give him time to to do it. And the other part of it is, if the players know that you're a, an owner with a hair trigger, it becomes an excuse. And I'm not sure. I don't. I don't believe that players quit, but I do think that attitudes can change in a room, and all of a sudden, you know, they start thinking the guy's going to be gone, and they, they tune him out. Uh, I think you you hire a guy, and you live with him for a while. It, you know, it's you don't fire your kid because he's been bad for a while, you know. You find a way to work with them and, and, and help them out. And uh, I just think that it's uh, too important a position to be constantly making changes. Sheriff, you played for a coach or two in your day. What do you think? <laughs> I've always been a big believer of if the players play the game. They're, they're the ones yeah. responsible. You, you can have whoever you want behind the helm. And we hear it, Gerard Gallant talks about it, especially today. Coaches, the, the systems that are put in place, the X's and O's of the game are minuscule in the way they change from team to team. Every coach knows the game. They know a system. All of them are very, very similar. So I guess the thing that coaching's about now is about managing and getting the best out of your team. So how do you do that? And I think I think certain guys have this. I think Dave Haxtell, you know, coming from UND, he had a lot of success there. I think he's a, he's a good young coach that you know Ron Hextel's tied to him. I'm I'm I've never been one that it's it's the coach. It, the coach is the easy decision because it's easier than getting rid of 23 guys. It's easier to get rid of one. It's the old saying. But but the players play the game. The, the, you know what? Uh, that's where the responsibility lies. It's up to them to play. Obviously, coaches get fired because you can't get rid of the, all the players. Uh, I think right now Hextel, and I think it's a it's a good show of faith, and it shows the guys that hey, this guy's here to stay. Uh, so I fold on this. I fold on it as well, and you could briefly look at a couple other sports. Just look what's happened in New York in the last few days here, where the Yankees move on from Joe Girardi, not because the Yankees were bad, but because they felt they needed a new voice and perhaps more power in the general manager's office in the front office. Meanwhile, the football team, the New York Giants, and Ben McAdoo, well. A colossal mistake in not starting Eli Manning. So for totally different reasons, coaching changes there. I wonder how in hockey the role of the head coach has evolved compared to the other sports. Where is the power in the game of hockey? How much of it still lies with a head coach versus the front office? And as Shane points out, you can't just get rid of all the players. Sometimes you do need that new voice. It's an interesting discussion in how the head coach role is different from sport to sport. Yeah, I'll, I'll fold on it, too, because I, I think it's ridiculous sometimes how impatient organizations are. I really do. You know, we, we spent some time, Shane, in Boston, and, and Claude Julien lasted there 10 years. He would tell you he was fired 10 times before he was actually fired. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, he ends up winning a Stanley Cup. They almost win another one. And there was a school of thought that if, you know, he could have been fired before they ever won a cup in 2011. So I think it's ridiculous how impatient. I, I will say there's a shelf life to it. You know, you, you brought Ken Hitchcock up, Banksy, and I think it depends on the coach to a certain degree. I mean, and Nige, you know this from being in that locker room. If they, if they start tune out, tune out, tune out, right, then 
Then I think you have to make a change. But I, I think as a GM, you've got to have a good feel for that. So I fold on it, too, because I think the, the level of impatience sometimes can be can be ridiculous. All right, last one. Razor fold. Buffalo, Arizona, and Edmonton. Edmonton was you know, kind of got back in the playoffs last year, but they, they're having a tough year again. They're all fighting it out for last place. Buffalo stinks again. Arizona stinks again. Uh, draft picks become more important currency in the NHL when you finish low in the standings, obviously. So razor fold on failure as in finishing low in the standings, being rewarded by getting a higher draft pick in the in the NHL draft. What do you think, Derek? Well, I don't know how else you're going to do it. You're not going <laughs> to yeah. give the Stanley Cup uh, champ the first either, pick. But... So, you know, I think uh, I think it, it gives uh, it gives the franchise some hope. I mean, if you have uh, you know when you see Connor go up to Edmonton, all of a sudden they got re- reinvigorated. You see what happened with with uh, the Maple Leafs and Matthew Matthews, and you know you see it in all sports. So I think I think it's uh, it's something that's pretty good. Obviously, if you're getting the first overall pick or one of the top few, you generally have had a couple of down years and helps reinvigorate reinvigorate the sport within your community. So. Um, I, I would raise. I'm also going to raise because I'm a homer. Because look, look at what happened with George McPhee. With this, with this is amazing here. And what, what is it? Two first round draft picks next year. Is that 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 right? And then another first round because it's the Islanders pick next year, as well as the Golden Knights pick. So I'm obviously going to raise on this because I think this is a great decision. <laughs> you hope the Islanders sink in the standings. I don't yeah. know if that's going to happen, but uh, now I'm going to think a little differently. I think if you come in last, great. You get the first round picks, whatever. How about we change it the following year? Tina wins the Stanley Cup. You get the first round pick. Then you're going to see some teams try to pick their status up at the end of the year. And you do. I mean, I don't care what anyone says. Teams in last place, they're going to get the first rounder. They start bringing guys up from junior to play, give them a shot. You know, win. Yeah, everyone wants to win every game and the players want to win every night. But still, if they lose, so be it. But he come out two points or whatever. So let's just take the Stanley Cup champion. You're getting the first round pick. I just think change it up once in a while, maybe every couple of years, whatever. Just something different because I don't like to see teams tank at the end, and I don't care what anyone says, the fans, the players. It happens. And when you start seeing junior kids coming up and veterans not playing at the end of the year, it's uh, pretty obvious. So you're, you would reward success. Why not? Yeah, there you go. I'm going to fold on, on rewarding failure. And obviously if you finish last, uh, you should have – the most weight in terms of the lottery, but I think it should be, you know, you should get like a like a hunting tag, your moose tag. If you get the first round, the the first overall pick, one year, you don't get it the next year. If you finish last and you win the lottery next year, uh, uh-uh. they weight it so that you 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 can't win it again because uh, it becomes a trend of ineptitude, and that shouldn't be rewarded. You're you're a bad franchise. You're a bad organization. You you don't know how to take the be- the best players that you've got and and find success. We're not giving you a free pass for that. No chance. The the, the other teams that do things right and and run their franchise properly. They should have a chance at that first round pick as well. So no back to back first rounders for me. You get your moose tag, and it's good for uh, uh, it's good for one year, and uh, and then you don't get the moose tag the next year. You got to sit a year out. It's amazing when you look at like Edmonton. Edmonton had all those first overall picks, and they screwed it up. I'm gonna say how that worked out for them year yeah. after year. Yeah, after year. I mean, they make it one year, and then they don't even have two of them. Where Yakupov and Hall are gone, right. so right. Uh, I, I'm with you. I, I like the fact that the lottery's in place now, which makes it a little bit different, and you're not guaranteed. 
Uh, although I think the Golden Knights should have been guaranteed a top three when you spend that amount of money on a team. Uh, but that's another discussion. But I think Bill Foley agrees with us. Uh, but they got, a, they got a pretty good player, though. They got a really good player out of it. He said Listen, so, right? If there's going to be expansion to Seattle, we don't want them to get the number no, three pick. Right, so right. end that argument, Knights. <laughs> Shelf that. Shelf that, okay? Sixth. Edit you're that right, out. You're yeah, right. I forgot about the new team. Um, yeah. You have to have a rebuild, and I agree with Banks. I think there's certain teams, and we've seen that with you know Buffalo trying to tank. They didn't get the first overall pick. They still got Jack Eichel, which was all right. Um, you know what? This is one of the things. You need franchises to build, and you can't turn turn your team around now unless you draft the right way. So you know, there's a thing to it. I think the lottery works. It's not a guarantee for those teams that uh, – you know, aren't playing well, that sucked the, the season before. Uh, I'm okay with the way it's working right now, but I, I agree that it should not be. If you win it one year, you don't get it the next. I'd like to see that uh, rule implemented. So I'm actually going to agree with Gary on this one. It's amazing. So this is, uh, I don't What's know. It, it's, yeah. it's a December special day. Put it down. 6th. Yeah, I, okay. I'd be interested, and, and I'm in agreement with you guys on everything you said. I'd be interested to see how, to Gary's point, how you might tweak the lottery to further enhance this discussion because you're right. Teams that have had these high draft choices have not found a way to build upon that. Meanwhile, you've got long, we just talked about Detroit. Well, they went a long time. When was the last time Detroit had a first overall pick? Um, similar with the Devils and their sustained success over a long period of time. They finally got a first pick with Heischer this year, and they hadn't been in the playoffs the last few seasons. So uh, when you take a step back from all this, you wonder not only about those top picks, but also the organizations that have put the resources into scouting and finding guys who maybe are not the number one or two or three picks, but sure, you got Steven Stamkos. He's a top, a top pick with, with Tampa. But look at the other guys. Like Nikita Kucherov was not, you know, in the same conversation with Stamkos when he was drafted. If you have the right people in place to find those guys, there are a lot of them out there that aren't necessarily number one, number two, number three picks. And the Winnipeg Jets have not, not drafted in the top five right. since they got their franchise in 2011, yeah. except for winning the lottery uh, and getting Patrick Liney. But the rest of all that is all built because... They scouted. They got a great value in Shifley uh, later in the in the first round. Truba, Morrissey, and they have maybe the most talented organization in the NHL right now. When you look at what's going on, their American Hockey League team has won ten in a row or something crazy like that. And they up until last night they'd won seven in a row. So uh, I, I agree with you hundred percent. Be a good franchise. Hire good scouts. Work hard and use the draft to your benefit. But don't expect to get a welfare check every year because you finished last place in the NHL. Yeah, and I'll fold on it, too. I, I think that uh, I agree with you, Gary, on the point. Look, if you if you finish last, I guess you deserve the, the, the first pick, but year after year after year is ridiculous. And if you can't, especially in a cap league, you've got to be able to build your team through through the draft. And, you know, we could sit there and, okay, Matthews, Line A, all the, the, the high picks are easy. Who do you get in the third round? Who do you get in the fourth round? How do you build the depth of your organization? So, I fold on. I, I I do like uh, Banksy. I don't know if I'd go to the point of the Stanley Cup champ gets like the number two pick the next year, but I like I like the idea. I like thinking out of the box. I like that idea. I like rewarding teams that do well. When you heard Gary say it, and I, I, I think teams that do well should get a shot at things like that. No, it's good stuff. Well, look. Uh, so we've held you in the studio long enough. So we're gonna let you out of here. But Derek and Darren. Um, so here's the thing. It's a holiday. It's holiday time. I'm proposing a staff holiday meeting at the Long Bar. Can we figure that out? Yeah. Oh, what do you I'm think? in. 
I think uh, you know a guy. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. You guys are now SLGND staff. You realize that, yes. right? You got to come to the weekly production meetings. Like this yeah. is a major commitment. We have this an email is not chain. Just, hey, pop chat. in once in a while, have some fun. You're, you got to you got to get in the ditch with us now. It's a commitment. It's been yeah. nice seeing you once. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know we had meetings. Yeah. <laughs> well, Derek Stevens, Darren Banks, guys, we can't thank you enough. The official sponsor of the Sheriff Lawless and some guy named Dave podcast the d hotel the official downtown hotel the biggest golden ice guys thanks so much and um we'll see you at the long bar thank you for having us and uh, the long bar is always welcoming yeah, thanks a lot guys this is great great uh great what you're doing for las vegas so i'll see you guys downtown marcia show banks it ahead to himself marcia show comes into the zone he feeds left and a shot score riley smith We see it again in the clutch moments. Marcia Soda Smith and Vegas defeats Arizona for the fourth time in four meetings. Well, thanks once again to Derek Stevens and Darren Banks from the D Hotel. They are the presenting sponsor of the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Day podcast. Hashtag SLGND coming to you from our studios in Vegas. But uh, great to have the D Hotel on board. And a reminder for you as well, folks, that our podcast brought to you by Foley Food and Wine. Bill and Carol Foley created the Foley Food and Wine Society to celebrate three of their greatest passions, world-class wines, exceptional cuisine, and outstanding destinations. And as a member of the society, you'll have access to their their entire portfolio of properties around the globe. The Foley Food and Wine Society offers an exclusive opportunity to join like-minded individuals who seek to experience the finer things in life, and they look forward to hosting you during your next visit. So Dave Gosher, Shane Knighty, Gary Lawless, Dan Duva, everybody in the house from our Vegas studios, the Vegas Golden Knights at now 17-9-1 as we speak, coming off yet another win on home ice 11 and 2 at the fortress. 11 and 2. And they find ways to win, Shane. You know, we, we were talking about it a little bit in our postgame hit last night. And I, you can use whatever word you want magic, something special about that building. But their ability, even in the game, uh, the last couple of home games, to, to find a way to score late against Anaheim, Hollis scoring. And then, you know, they, they've won most of their games in overtime when it got past 60 minutes, but they find another way, another way to win. It's been pretty special to be in that incredible atmosphere, but even more special to see the results they've had. It has been a ton of fun. And that's a simple way to put it, but what I like about the team, and we touched on it after the game, this is a team, and you need to, because when you look at all the games throughout the league, there's not a team that's going to dominate every 60 minutes. There's pieces of that game the other team's going to have. They're going to control it. What I like the Golden Knights about the Golden Knights and what they've been able to do is they found different ways to win games. And that is a key component if you want to be a successful team, if you want to be a playoff team, is it's not going to look the same every night, that you're going to go out, you're going to be the better team, you're going to outshoot the opponent, you're going to outscore the opponent. No, games don't happen that way. There's variables, and we saw that last night, and and I think we saw a little bit of everything in that game. You know, they they dominated. They should have probably been up about 4-0 after the first, but... They weren't. They scored two goals late. Anaheim came back. They took control of the game. They go up 3-2. Then in the third, it was kind of, you know, not much going on. They find a way to get a goal, tie it up. You go to overtime. You got a penalty. Uh, you go to a shoot. It, it had a little bit of everything, and they found a way to win it. And they've been able to do that 
this year and home ice I think the crowd plays a factor I think there's a little extra boost from them that that's the adrenaline that goes through and that's what a home building should do that's exactly what a home building should do you should be able to feed off it and grab energy maybe when you're feeling a little bit drained so I, it has been just a tremendous run I'm having a ton, absolute blast calling these games because this team they're, they're they're a type of team you just want to get behind and cheer because of the way they play and they don't quit on you well, I'm sure you have a very similar uh, viewpoint as me. I do the third period with Dan on the radio, and you're doing the you're doing the whole game with Dave on the television. And I, I, I because I'm with Dan, I don't hear Dave's call till later when I go back and watch it on on the PVR. And they've been fantastic. But Dan's calls on the radio in these late game wins and these overtime wins, I'm left like I'm tingling. Every night when when this happens, and it's been, uh, uh, I, I think for you two guys, this has been in some ways must have been a dream scenario to get to call these overtime winners uh, and uh, and late game winners again and again because well, it's isn't that the best thing for a play by play guy? Yeah. Well, we're getting a lot of practice. We better not screw it up. <laughs> yeah, okay, <no kidding. laughs> no, thank Chances you, Gary. Are we're well, mess it up. that's it. I mean, I mean, there have been between the five overtime wins and a shootout win. I mean, I I, I don't know that there were that many for the Syracuse Crunch all of last season yeah. uh, in the American League, but. You almost sense those moments coming, and as play-by-play guys, Dave, we're, we're describing what's happening always with an eye on what might happen next. You sort of have to anticipate so you could find the right thread to, to capture that moment, and it seems every game there is an opening. There's some way where this team has a spark. They're, they're With the exception of one or two or three games, They've really been in the thick of it. Uh, I mean, the, I mean, the only home game that didn't capture that feeling was when they got shut out by Dallas. Right. That was the only one. Even the other loss with uh, with the Red Wings, they had a lead in the third period of that game. It was a wild one. So I, it, you're right, Gary. It's uh, and thank you for saying that. But it, it's uh, we we keep getting those Trying moments. We're getting used to it. <laughs> I threw Gosher a no, bone too. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate your kind words and generosities. No, fact it's, check it's is coming awesome. later. Gary, honestly, it's been fantastic. Like you know, Nigel and I were talking about this. Uh, I think it was yesterday, the day yeah. before. the The atmosphere in the building is unbelievable. Really you know, is. And, yeah. and we've all been lucky enough to cover some big events. You know, over the years, and it's just we asked Gerard Gallant about it yesterday morning. He said, you know, back in your playing days, does this remind you of? And he said he talked about the old Chicago Stadium. Yeah. You come upstairs from those old locker rooms, and the last step off the top step is onto the ice. But it's been, yeah, if you do what we do for a living law, man, you're exactly right. Like, it's, you know, your team wins in overtime. They win at home. It seems like almost every night. It's been fantastic. One of my favorite moments has become the walk from uh, from from the radio booth with Dan to the elevator, the ride down the elevator, and the walk to the dressing room. You're going by all the support, all the, all the arena staff, all the people that work there. And they have... They're they're on cloud nine, and they, it's like they're part of the team, and they are part of the team. Oh yeah, a big part of the team. They're excited. They want to fist pump you. Has your and <laughs> it's funny because you'll be walking beside the assistant coaches or the GM of the other team, and you don't say a word, right? You know what I mean? They've just lost in overtime. They're not happy, and it's kind of the 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 the, the unwritten rule in hockey is when you get on that elevator after a game to go back downstairs, and there's staff from both sides. You look at your shoes. You, you you don't make eye contact. You don't say a word. You get to where you're going to go, and then when you're just with your own people, 
Then you, okay, maybe you smile and you fist bump. <laughs> so you're walking beside Doug Armstrong, who's just lost in overtime, and the elevator the elevator operator is like, wow, wow, we won. And I'm like, shut up. Okay, all right. Just, we'll talk about it later, you know? So it, it's it, it's been fantastic. Six and one when when they when they go past regulation. And I, I want to talk to Shane about this. I think there's a key ingredient here why they're so successful at that time, and that is the depth of the team and the utilization of the spread out of ice time. The top forward on the team, I just wrote about this yesterday, the top forward on the team uh, is right now William Carlson, averaging around uh, 19 minutes, and the number seven guy on the team uh, was, I believe, Cody. Eric Hall. Uh, sorry, was Cody it Eakin? Eakin now. I it, think was it was Eric Hall before. Now it's Cody Eakin, uh, but down into the third line. And the, the separation is only a minute and a half. And on defense, Colin Miller plays around 18 minutes a night. That's the, the least of the top six. And the top end guy only plays 22. When they go to three on three, they're fresher than the opposition. Randy Carlisle, he sacks his best players. He uses them. He barely has any left. Well, there you go. But, <laughs> but, is a good but, word. But other coaches are playing. Uh, it, th- this isn't just, this isn't anecdotal. This is fact. Other coaches play their top end guys way more than Gerard Gallant plays his top end guys. And they play their low end guys way less. Gallant has everybody involved. They get to overtime. They still have legs. And this is what I want to know from you. That three-on-three, it has to be taxing. So after you've already played three periods, you're already worn out to a certain extent. And then you want to you want to play three-on-three with all that open ice. Fatigue has to be a factor for, for players. I think it's, a, it's a huge factor throughout the game, and it allows them to play the game they want. Uh, I think it's beneficial not only when you get to overtime, it's beneficial... For Gerard Gallant, because the word we keep hearing from every team that comes in, whether it's a scout, uh, someone from an opposition team, they can't believe how fast and how quick the Golden Knights play. And I think that the fact that he's able to roll those four lines, use 6D, the amount they do, is is a huge factor in the way they play. And yes, overtime, it brings success. And... You look around, and we you heard you don't win championships unless you have four lines. You don't win, you know, sixty. Uh, I think th- he uses it more than anyone, and it is certainly helping this team. I, you mentioned the Winnipeg Jets earlier. Part of the reason they weren't going anywhere is they were a three line team. This year they've got a fourth line. It helps teams to be able to do that. It is a hard schedule. You bring travel, the way the game, the pace, everything nowadays. I think it's it, it is a bigger issue now in the league to have that ability to roll four lines than it ever was. And I think right now you, you, you get on a roll. There's a certain thing to being confident and going out to win games. They did it early in the season. It built from that. Now when they get to overtime, it's not, well, let's just get through this. It's let's go win this thing. And, that, and that's in the back of their heads. Now there's a comfort when they go to extra time. Five and zero in overtime. One of, as of a couple of nights ago, anyways, one of only four teams in the league that had yet to lose in the overtime session. Um, I ran into a, a scout last night between periods who had not seen the Golden Knights in person this year. He'd seen a couple of games on television, and to your point, Knights, he said, "Man, are you guys a fast team?" He goes, "The the pace you guys play at is unbelievable," and he said, "You don't have any." He goes, you don't have any slow old guys that have bad contracts. <laughs> That's what he said to me. I said, "Well." So the way the league's been trending for a lot of years now is speed, skill, go, go, go. And he, he was just, he was he was blown away at the pace that, that they play. And just to pick up on, in case fans don't know this, and it's probably important to point out, 
So if you win in regulation or overtime, all those points count down the road, right? If if there's a tie-breaking scenario for a playoff spot, and you're looking at NHL.com, and you look at that ROW column that's regulation slash overtime wins, all those points count towards a tiebreaker down the road. Shootout wins don't. So, I mean, it was great they wanted a shootout the other night, don't get me wrong, but you'll see teams that have six or seven shootout wins. If it ever gets to it down the road, none of those points count in terms of a tiebreaker. Yeah. No, they, well, they they not in, not in terms of tiebreaker. No, no but they, they to, count. They go to it, points percentage, right? right? Yeah, uh-huh. hey, but so it's regulation and regulation overtime wins. Overtime wins is, it. is, yeah, it's, it's so the fact column. they've won these yeah. games yeah. in overtime for the most part has been awesome. Yeah, it's, it's in other so. words, it's a lot better to win five games in overtime mm. than it is five yes. games in a shootout. Exactly. The Got points it. right now it doesn't really affect too much here and now on December. But when you look at the end of the season, if there is a tiebreaker, that column, that's the only time that column ever matters is at the end of the season. And that's a good point, Dave, because you never know. Well, right. let's talk about points because it was interesting. We talked to Gerard Gallant about this yesterday. Is it too early to be looking at the standings and talking about the playoffs? They went into that game last night, second place in the Pacific Division, I believe. They were four points ahead of the team that was ninth in the in the conference, uh, ninth in the playoff picture, the first team outside of the wild card, wild card race, four points. That's how close it was. Yeah, it was only six points between the Ducks and the Golden Knights, twenty seven go- to thirty three. They won. V- Vegas wins, and at the end of the night, they were six points ahead of that team that was. So that that means that, that like there's that's a three or a four game swing if Vegas manages to get. Uh, you know, if that team keeps winning, but Vegas gets an overtime point, you know, a, a loss or a shootout, it takes four, it takes five, six games to to, to surpass Vegas in 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 that manner. So with the three point game, it shows you how hard it is to climb out of a hole. So they're not making the playoffs right now, but the longer they stay in and and build that cushion, it per, it protects you later on. When if you hit a skid, and I'll go back to this, Shane. You know this story pretty well. It was right after Chicago had won. Uh, I think it was their last Stanley Cup, and Joel, I bumped into Joel Quenville at the draft. I said congratulations to him. We talked a little bit about winning the Stanley Cup, and he said, "You know what's harder than winning the Stanley Cup? Getting in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It is the full season grind. That's when the Central was really tough." A couple of years later, or maybe even the next year, I talked to Daryl Sutter, same thing. He said, oh, yeah, winning the Stanley Cup's great. You know what's harder? Getting into the playoffs in the Western Conference. Yeah. So I get what Gerard is saying. You don't want to be focused mm. on the standings right now, but you got to get wins, and you got to keep stacking up those points, and you need to have that pressure on your group to keep succeeding because if you don't, well, you're the Edmonton Oilers, and you're looking way up and wondering with all this talent, can we make up the ground? I just look at who's. I do what you do. I look at who's in ninth. That's all. I look at every, who's in ninth. You know. Who, uh, all right. How, what? And as of as we speak right now, the gap is six points after the, the, yeah. the two points from the for the Golden Knights last night. But um, Chicago's in ninth. Right. Exactly. Um, so Malcolm Subban has come back here, Sheriff, and he's he's played well. Even even in the losses, right? He's he's looked he's looked pretty good in that. And then last six night, six and two with a nine twenty six yeah. save percentage right. And, right now. You know, uh, did not have a win in the league right before this year. Now he's got six wins and. Um, last night, the you know the saves he made in over on Montour and on Kasha in overtime, and then perfect in the shootout. And I guess where I'm going with this is Mark Andre Fleury's, by all accounts, getting closer and closer to return. So how do you 
How do you see this shaking out when when they give Fleury the 100 percent? And does the play of Subban, it certainly makes it uh, that's a heck of a I don't know. It's a comfort level, I would think, that, you know, he's been able to play pretty well. Yeah, this is such a delicate topic because we're not going to know what Mark Andre Fleury is like when he comes back. Like th- this is a pretty significant, and they're doing it the right way. They're going to make sure he is one hundred percent. But there, there, there's something to an athlete when you come back from injury because it's in the back of your head. You know, coming in, how's he going to react to shots? He's going to practice, and I'm sure they're going to put him through all situations. How's it going to be when there's a battle in front of the net, and you know, you got five guys piling around you, and and there, there's going to be. St- some things you need to see from Mark Andre Fleury and how he reacts to it. He's a, he's an elite world class goaltender. I'm not going to doubt his his skill. And and if he comes back and he's a hundred percent and he feels right in those first couple of games, it, it's huge. I think they've got a one two combination. I think Malcolm Subban has just been terrific. I think he surprised everyone. Maybe everybody but Dave Pryor. Uh, his athleticism is undeniable. I think it was the rest of his game and probably one of the biggest parts to a goaltending game is that mental aspect. So coming in, feeling confident, uh, and we touched on this a while, I think sometimes just that fresh start does wonders, and there's no better example than Devin Dubnik, who was almost tossed away, you know, after, you know, first-round pick with Edmonton, struggled, played on, you know, three organizations, went to the Montreal Canadiens, didn't play a game there, played in the AHL, then got sent home. He was fourth on the depth chart. Goes to Arizona. Sean Burke renews his confidence. They trade him to Minnesota, and the rest has been his. He's, you know, just phenomenal. So I think Malcolm Subban has that talent. He has the ability. I think he's he's been good. Right now, he's the number one guy. And when Mark Andre Fleury comes back, he's done enough to be the number one guy. But I'm gonna you're gonna have to see it. I, I think it's gonna be good. But I think it's gonna help that there's that there's that confidence knowing that Subban can step in and help. You know. Give them that time to get back to form. Well, let's talk nuts and bolts here, because if you look at the schedule, they play Carolina, well, Nashville and Dallas this weekend, Friday, Saturday, back-to-back. We're not sure, you know, having Flurry ready for one of those two games is probably a stretch. Yeah. Because he hasn't even practiced with the team yet. So, so no, he needs a, three or four yeah, games absolutely. of that. So I look at the Carolina game has a natural place to get Flurry back into the lineup. Mm-hmm. Okay? So so you do that. And you know, it's the first game back, it goes okay. Well, the next game is Pittsburgh. Don't you have to play Mark Andre Flurry against the Pittsburgh Penguins? No. Okay. Not unless not <laughs> right now. Right now you don't do anything with Mark Andre Flurry until he's healthy. Yeah. So I I yeah, I obviously it'd be great. It's a great story. Yeah, yeah, no question. Sure. If he, if he's healthy right now, and he's going, and he's feeling great. Absolutely, he, you know, that that one's locked in and, and double pen marker, whatever you want, sharp. Yeah. Uh, that he's playing that game, but right now, and, and I think George McPhee has in the right stance, as does the organization. That ha- the, his health right now is oh, first and foremost. Yeah. No, 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 and, no. And, then, and then and then you got to see how he's playing. Yeah. My, my, this was predicated on him playing against Carolina. Well, yeah, if, he, if he's back. playing Carolina and he's back and he's feeling good, yes, I put him in that game. There, but there but he might not saying. be great against Carolina but because I, I, it's his I, first yeah. game back after missing six weeks. You know, But he probably he, wants to get a game in before he would theoretically play against the Penguins. Absolutely. Well, th- so you go a step further. If he's not ready for Carolina... He's not going back. If, if if I'm making those calls, I'm not. His first game back isn't Pittsburgh. I, exactly. I right. wait till Florida comes exactly. in on right. the weekend. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. 
it, it obviously has meaning, and I'm sure it would to him. But you know what? They'll play them again. Yeah, they're going to Pittsburgh. Yeah, he can do that one. Yeah, it, it, I, I'm totally with you. If he doesn't play against Carolina, he shouldn't play that game against Pittsburgh. There's too much going into it. It might even be a good decision to wait. Yeah. I want to see say, Subban in a back. You know what? Like if Subban has, yeah. if Subban, if Subban picks up points on the weekend, and then you look at Carolina has a very winnable game. You go, you go back to to Subban in that Ooh. spot, and then Carolina. Uh, very winnable. I, that team's got something going on. I, I think they're going to call them back. Watch Carolina Hurricanes. Ooh. All right. Ooh, good to know. Keep but it is a, every game's a winnable game, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Theoretically. I, I just, my point was, I, I'm not, uh, maybe you maybe you wait and, and, and get that, because that Pittsburgh game is going to be loaded with emotion. Uh, they have Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, those guys. Can can make anybody look silly, you know. May, may, maybe you just you remove that out of the equation and say, you know, we're going to wait. And although after Florida comes here, Tampa and Washington comes here, so there are a lot of yeah. hot shooters heading to Vegas in the next uh, the next little while. Great schedule for for fans in uh, in Vegas. The next five home games are uh, uh, well. Shane likes the Carolina Hurricanes, and I happen to like Pittsburgh, Tampa, and Washington. So. Some big games in that stretch. Yeah, some great, especially with the holidays here, uh, right in the thick of the holiday season. So uh, the Golden Knights, and they have been just fantastic at home, and they look for that to continue here um, right through. And, they, you know, a couple of road games this week, Nashville and Dallas, and after that you ran it down there, Lawman. They, they don't travel again until after the Christmas holidays. So um, home ice has been great to them so far this year. The Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Day podcast, hashtag SLGND, presented by the D Hotel, the official downtown hotel of the Vegas Golden Knights. We're going to get to the quiz here momentarily, but of course, we always want to remind you that before that, Golden Knights fans, do not get in yourself in a bind in terms of parking and don't fight for a parking space the night of the game. Purchase your parking in advance through the Park Mobile app and score your perfect spot at the preferred parking garages of the Vegas Golden Knights. Check it out at lasvegas.parkmobile.com and reserve your parking today. That's lasvegas.parkmobile.com. The next time you head to T-Mobile Arena to see the Golden Knights in action. All right, Dan Duba, you got the quiz there? Quiz time. All yeah. right, here uh, we go. If you what recall you last week, uh, you know, you, you did very well, Dave. Uh, I'll Thank point you. that out. Gary was was really terrific. Shane was good. But Gary was the number one star. So we're going to begin uh. the quiz. Gary gets to go first. So a little bit more pressure, but that's the honor, sort of like in golf. Gary gets to go first. The so key is yours. Here is the first quiz question today, Gary Lawless. Biggest overreaction so far this season. Well, Shane Knighty, when he wins first star in the in, uh, on the hash, well, I was going to say, you know, he stole it. I was going to say like, Gary's reaction when the owner picked me as first star. <laughs> biggest overreaction, him in tears in the hallway. <laughs> it's like Whimpering. Tyler Williams has scored a goal. He rides the sticker <laughs> on the studio. He he fixes his hair. It's, uh, it's I'm frankly amazed that you all care so much about this. But that's right. <laughs> don't, don't bring that. You're just jealous because I fixed my hair. Yes, there you go. Yes. Uh, yeah. And you check your washboard as well. You got me on both, Shane. We know you're physically superior. Uh, Montreal Canadiens. The fact that, you know, Carey Price is injured and a member of the media comes up with this fictitious story that Price wants out of Montreal because uh, him and uh, his wife, Angela Price, has demanded that they leave Montreal and that their marriage is hanging in the balance. She has to go to Twitter uh, to say, there's nothing wrong with my marriage. 
uh, we love Montreal. You know, like they go into a little slump and their goalie is injured and it becomes uh, tabloid-esque. To me, it's uh, beyond preposterous. I'll tell you what, if people talk about tough markets, you get it in English and then you get it in French. You get it in two languages if you're working for the Montreal Canadiens in some capacity. And uh, and uh, Mark Bergevin, the poor guy, he can read English and he can read French, so he has to see it all. Uh, it would be uh, it would be in some ways the greatest market to work in, but in some ways the worst. Oh, yeah, I I agree. That probably is. I'm gonna go with just a different one, just to be different. I. Think. The Winnipeg Jets early in the year, the biggest overreaction is because I just probably because I came from there and I knew the expectations and, and they started poorly and everybody they had. It's interesting, Winnipeg, and it is. It's a great market working, but the passion there. So there's these people that, you know, came in the season, you got to fire Paul Maurice, you got to trade this guy, you got to trade that guy. They start the season horribly and then they obviously run, so everybody's back on the bandwagon. But there's still a group there that's still overreacting. They're waiting for them. To fail so they can fire Paul. There's people that said Paul Maurice is going to be fired by December. They're still waiting for that to happen, hanging on to that. But the overreaction there early in the year was just tremendous. Maybe because I hear a lot of it being Manitoban, but it, and now, you know, just wait. Their talent is undeniable there, and it was a matter of just being patient, which is something fans there don't like to hear. Uh, there's you an, know this too, Gary. There's an interesting sidebar to what Shane just said. Because of social media... That's if probably, if yes. I'm at Bob4444 and I tweet in September, Paul Maurice will be fired by December 1st. Oh, yeah, you hang to that. Then you cheer for that <laughs> to happen. You don't cheer for your team. You want to be wow. right on Twitter more than you want your team to be successful. It's not the same as when you just said it at the bar and you could just say, oh, that was beer talk. It, it's out there. It's on social media. All your buddies are tweeting it, retweeting it, and they're asking you, oh, I thought Maurice was getting fired. It's, it's really kind of changed a, a little bit of the fan base. And I don't know how big that is. It might be just an echo chamber, but it's out there. Well, I'm going to make it three for three for Canada. Toronto Maple Leafs. Ooh. Just because, and maybe it's just, you know, a bit of my Boston Bruins bias, but it seems to me every year when Toronto goes on a run, they are planning the parade <laughs> for the Stanley Cup in June. <laughs> Right, they, they start a game. They start off this year three and zero. Then they go. They're six and one. We were there earlier. Like, and they're just. But it feels like it's been that way. In I mean, I've been this my 18th year in the NHL. It feels like it's that way every year, even when their teams stink. Now this year they're good, and they they ripped off six straight wins earlier this year and got off to a good start. And maybe it's a byproduct of the market, and I think it is. But just the the overreaction to. When they go on a good run, all right, here we go. They haven't won a Stanley Cup in 50 years. They haven't been that close in 15 years. So I just think, and maybe it comes with that, and maybe it's, uh, you know, to, to, to part of your point and you too, Nigel, maybe it is the market, maybe it is the Canadian marketplace at times, but I've seen it in Toronto now forever. Years they haven't been remote, they haven't been a playoff team, and they've been, you know, they go on a good run and everyone's all. So I just, and it happened again this year. I Look, great to see them turning around last year. They've got some great young players, but every year this, you know, what time's the parade in June? Like, enough already. Like, well, let's win a playoff series, and maybe we'll go from there. My favorite text of the year came from Steve Simmons, who's a big columnist in Toronto. It was after one of our wins. He texted me. He said, uh, Leafs, VGK, Stanley Cup final. You, you can stay at my place. You know, like, like it. Now, he was teasing, of course, but. 
That's the in, mindset. There. In every yes. joke, there's a kernel of truth. Yeah, it, it's like the Billy Joel song. I go to extremes. It, it's just one end or the other. It's either disaster or it's wow. they're going to win the Stanley. A Billy Cup. Joel reference, not a Springsteen reference. What's going on here? Well, I think he should get first start. <laughs> a little light just for that. Just, that. just for giving that was just, fantastic. Just for giving the just piano man a little up. love instead of uh, <laughs> instead of the boss. You want to make him first star. There you go. What's no Stormfront record, right? That sounds about right. Yeah. There you go. Eighty-nine. Down Easter Alexa. Ah. Oh yeah. I, I have, I have a good friend in Syracuse, sure, whose favorite <laughs> song is Down East no, Alexa. Alexa is, Last week it was Alexa 14. Is, is his daughter's name from his marriage to uh, supermodel Christy Brinkley. Yes. Another Still conversation. Just, pretty good, ding, by the way. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> I just racked up some points. <laughs> Actually, I think Dave's ahead. Too, Come anyway, on, Sarah. Christy Brinkley, big Islanders fan. Yeah. I remember, uh, I remember years ago, and she still looks good, but uh, yeah, she was, uh, she was, had one of the glass seats. A little distracting. <laughs> All right. Sheriff, That's minus not, four. It doesn't take much to distract me. <laughs> Let's move on. Moving on, yes. Uh, next question on the quiz that has nothing to do with any of that. Uh, should the NHL revamp its offside and offside review rule? Gary, again, you're on the tee. Absolutely. And uh, I think they need to make it a vertical blue line. Straight up. And if you are... Because this... Alex Tuck lifts his back skate... He's trying to stay onside, and that and the Colin Miller's goal comes off the board last week. Half his body is behind the blue line. Uh, to me, if it's a, a vertical blue line, and you're if you're if part of you is 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 be behind it, you're fine. If you're you know if you're all through it, they want to get the egregious offenses. Not the millimeter ones. That was never what the rule was meant to be. And now, God love him, Tommy Cruz uh, and and all the, the the excellent video coaches in the National Hockey League, they got 17 angles. They got 21 angles. They're back there in their office. They're slowing it down. They're finding it. They go, oh, yeah, I can see white. Challenge. Challenge. That's not hockey. That's To me, that's not hockey. They need to fix it. <laughs> Absolutely, it, it's it's a it's a rule that needs to be changed, and it is. When I when I watch games and call games now, I'm talking to our truck every time that someone comes in, and it looks like it might be an offside. I make sure they make a note because we might be going through a challenge, and it just takes away from the flow. Whether you got, and I I think it should be the vertical. You as Gary just explained, your body's not across the blue line. It's either that or you. You widen the blue line. I don't care what they do. Just change it. Or as soon as the puck hits the blue line, that becomes onside. Uh, there, there's certain ways to do it, but but anything that slows down the pace of the game, I'm against. Hey, don't we? Don't don't they want more scoring? Exactly. Why are you taking goals off the board? Because the, 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 the guy lifted his back skate. It's crazy. Yeah, it's hard, and I'm I'm with it. Like it's ridiculous. And but and I will tell you, Gary, and I. I, I thought it was a ridiculous rule before Tuck got called off. So I, I thought it was a ridiculous rule oh, two yeah. weeks ago. It was a ridiculous rule last year. Now, I will say they've tried to tweak it a little bit, right? If you if you get it wrong now, it's a penalty, right? If you challenge it, they've kind of tried Because I think they were trying to get away from everything's getting There's challenged. no chance they're getting it wrong. No, they've because got, of all the they, angles. they got all those angles. They got, it's they're, ridiculous. They're, they're practicing how to make sure, like, the, the time limit. Like You heard Mike Babcock. They missed a challenge. Earlier this year, and we were in Toronto the next day, and he talked about how they didn't challenge. He said that won't happen again. Right. He he got his people together and and call it quality control. They figure out a way to make sure that's not going to happen again. Because if they got a chance to take a goal off the border, they're going to do it. It's more difficult than ever to score. 
And that wasn't meant to be this ticky tack as a no. skate a millimeter off the ice. It's it's ridiculous the way it. The, and I, you made the point, Sheriff, and I've heard this uh, previously. When you hit the red line to dump the puck in, once the puck touches the red line, it's good, right? Mm-hmm. They could do the same thing with offside. Once that puck hits the blue line, right? Everything's good. Keep it, skate, extend it up. Like it's you don't have to have the puck all the way over. It, it's it's got to be better than this, and I, you can tweak it however you want, but it can't. It can't continue to be this going forward. Yeah, and I think that the things that you brought up are, are all dead on. I'll add one other thought: the play itself that we were talking about, the goal is scored several moments after the quote unquote offside. The fact that Tuck's skate was in the air, or even if his skate was on the ice. It had no impact on the play that happened several seconds later. It's not as though Puck then had the puck, came in, and four seconds later scored a goal. That's not what happened. To me, there's got to be some simple common sense language put in. So unless the offside has a direct result, that the immediate consequence of the offside is a goal, it should be washed away. There's, there's, I don't know exactly what the language ought to be, but... We've turned, because of replay, where everything is black and white, we've lost discretion. And officials are smart. I think that there ought to be some more discretion in that. Okay, let's move on to the third question, and that's the all-star ballots. Believe it or not, we're getting to that point. All-star ballots are out. Which Golden Knight deserves the nod, Gary? William Carlson. He's the leading scorer. He's... uh... Uh, been fantastic for them. He's a 200-foot player. You could go on and on, but it's William Carlson. It is. I don't think there's much debate here for me. Yes, there's been, without a doubt, contributions from everybody and some great performances. You're going to have a ton of guys with career years statistically. You know, Eric Howell is, you know, on pace for it. He can go throughout this team. But for me, Eric Carlson at this point is the all-star of this team. William Carlson. William Carlson. Errol Carlson, I'm be, sure, but that'll different That'll be noted team. later in the, in yeah, the uh, plus minus <laughs> in the three stars. Wild Bill. Wild Bill. Did I, I say Eric? He did yeah, say Eric. I was just yeah. looking at Ottawa stats. Anyways. <laughs> I go Wild Bill. I, I don't know how you couldn't. You know, I mean, it, obviously there's, you know, Smith and Marcioso and Perron and Neil. They've all been, um, they've all had great years. But, you know, Carlson, if you're going to look at where he was last year compared to where, where he is right now already this year, not even – Halfway through the year, he's been he's been fantastic. Yeah, you might not have picked William Carlson coming into the season. Uh, someone would have thought of James Neal, maybe a, a Mark Andre Fleury, but we'll see. Who knows if uh, there might be a, a wild card in there as well because Vegas has done so well. Another conversation, guys. It's come out with Seattle uh, that uh, renovations to the building there. The question about an expansion market: Seattle, Houston, Quebec City. Expansion town, Gary? Well, for me, it's Seattle. The uh, city council approved uh, a memo of understanding last night for, uh, or on Monday night, for a $600 million renovation to Key Arena. David Bonnerman and Jerry Bruckheimer are the guys with money. Uh, Bonnerman is, uh, you know, a billionaire several times over. Bruckheimer is a huge hockey guy, um, you know, uh, has a skate with a bunch of Canadian guys every Sunday night at, uh, at in El Segundo there in L.A., uh, that it's a it's a market that's steeped in in hockey history. Uh, Quebec can't afford uh, the six hundred and fifty million dollar expansion fee that it that, that's what the rumor is right now. The fee is going to go up to six hundred and fifty. And I keep Houston has a bullet in the chamber uh, in terms of if I do need to relocate a franchise, Arizona or or Carolina or perhaps Florida. Houston could could take one of those, or Quebec City could take one of those. But you want the best possible shot 
when you're talking expansion, and to me, that's Seattle. Yeah, Seattle. <laughs> They're the only one ready for it. Yeah, and I, I wish I wish it was Quebec City, to be honest with you. But, uh, yeah, Seattle. And it looks like, so you're saying it's going to go up. Bill Foley get a bargain? Is that what you're saying? Six fifty to get no. In Bill Foley, <laughs> the success <laughs> of the Vegas Golden Knights, yeah. as Gary Bettman can easily say. Well, Forbes Forbes magazine yesterday came out with an article. The Vegas Golden Knights are now the 14th most valued franchise in the NHL. That's the, he, that's the, we're not even halfway through the first season, and he and they rank 14th. So I think that uh, the case is easily made for Gary Bettman. Uh, Five hundred million was a bargain. Here's the other part of it: they get even it out east and west, right? You can't have they, so they'll get to sixteen and sixteen now with Seattle getting the team. I, yeah. I, you know, I, I did a couple of games a long, long time ago with the old Lacalle in Quebec, and I think it's I love Quebec City as a you know, and I, mm. I wish there was a way that they could make it work back there again. Um, that rivalry with the Canadians and the Nordiques back in the day, but I mean, it makes the most sense, and it seems like it's certainly trending that Seattle's going to be next. We'll see. Time will tell. Okay, last question in the quiz, guys, and that is the father's trip coming up, Nashville and Dallas on the road. And so is there a better father-son experience than an NHL road trip Well, I'm going to have to defer on this one to either Shane or Dave because I've never participated in one of these. So uh, I, I, I assume it's a fantastic experience. I assume it's better than me and my dad and the the terrible golf that we play together once or <laughs> once or twice a year or the phone conversations we have on Sunday. How's the weather there? How's the weather there? I'm so I'm assuming this is a uh, a better bonding experience than that. But uh, I'll flip to Shane on this one. Yeah, I've done. I I did the uh, the father's trip when I played Minnesota with my dad, and it was a fantastic experience. But uh, there is better. Uh, I enjoy just maybe because that's the way I grew up. Uh, I did fishing trips with my dad growing up, and uh, we we traveled, you know, living in Manitoba, so we'd drive way up north there, and we'd go onto a lake. And this isn't uh, no fancy fly-in and, you know, cook for you cabin. No, we go, we uh, we drive usually up upwards of 10 to 14 hours northern Manitoba, Sounds isolated great. lakes. Sounds great. <laughs> so we'd, uh, you'd drive in, and then you boat, you'd, you'd have to take the river to the lake. You'd load all these boats, and these are little, like, 14-, 16-foot boats with 20-horse motors. You go down, and we'd, you'd be loaded up. You can barely move, and you go, and you camp out uh, either in an island or a, just a shoreline somewhere, and you'd be there for the for – you always do it the July long weekend. And uh, there'd be my dad, my brother, and uh, probably about 10 other people with their, their dads and sons. And it, it was uh, – we did it for many, many years. And you know what? It's still great to get out fishing with my dad. And then I had the experience to take my son fishing. So I think it, to me that's – just for me growing up, uh, the fishing experience has been the best father-son for me. Yeah, and I can't speak to the road trips with with, with, uh, with my dad, but I will tell you that yeah, we went to Normandy, France a bunch of years ago when he was still around, and we walked Utah Beach and Omaha Beach and went to Paris, and that's pretty awesome. You know, what's to be the, able to share that with him was pretty pretty phenomenal. What's you know? the name of the joint in uh in Providence that your dad would have a beer at Oh, in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, Joe's yeah, Bar. Joe's well, Bar. Well, wasn't walking Joe's in and sitting grill. beside your dad uh, that was pretty on cool. his stool pretty good? Well, I'd always surprise him, right? I would yeah. never let him know that because I lived in Boston, and he was, you know, it's about 45 minutes down there, so I would usually, and he always had the same stool at the end of the bar. So <laughs> I would walk in, and it, he was, my dad, God rest him, was 4 to 6 every day, 4 to 6, 4 to 6, 4 to 6. That was his stint at the bar, and they'd have his Bud God, Lights. Right, they'd have his Bud Lights, so... I'd walk in and like he wouldn't be expecting me. Look at the hell am I doing there? Yeah. And I'd, I'd walk in and that stool next to him a lot of times was always empty. So I'd imagine sit. sitting at uh, 
Joe's Bar. At Joe's Bar in Pawtucket, and yeah. your son, the voice of the Boston Bruins, <laughs> rolled in. I would imagine uh, the pride meter uh, kind and of uh, bounced off the charts. You buried, you buried, you buried, the, you redlined it on that one, yeah. Ghost. And here's the <laughs> funny part about it, Lawman, just as a kind of a, to put a bow on it. So um, he would never, you know, and I think a lot of dads like are like this. They never really tell their sons. They're really proud of them. You know, I, I would hear it from... Other people in the bar, like my dad would go to the restroom or whatever, and then somebody come over and goes, your dad thinks that, you know, what you're doing is, you know, greatest thing since sliced bread or whatever. So <laughs> then last summer, long story short, last summer, a buddy of mine came in town from California. He'd never been to Rhode Island, right? He'd never been to my hometown. He goes, I want to see your, you know, whatever, your, your high school, your, the ice rink you played at, your dad's bar. So we go into Joe's Bar in Pawtucket. And I hadn't been in there in, in, a, in a bunch of years since my dad had passed away. So I go and I sit in my dad's stool. And my buddy sits where I would always sit, and we go to order two Bud Lights in honor of my dad. And there's a guy across the bar that says, hey, I got those. And I'm like, what? He goes, no, I got those. I hadn't been in that bar in six years, but he remembered my dad, and he remembered me, which I was like, holy smokes. Like, I was blown away by that. So I that's hope awesome. I didn't just hand Gosher the first star. I think he did. <laughs> just, you know, he already had it in my mind. served it up. Well, yeah. you give us the Norman Rockwell picture of your of your fishing trip. So uh, uh, both no, you guys no, did very I, well I, I on Gosh this nice. today. Just overall, Gosh was solid. Uh, well, I, I, think was that, solid <laughs> I was a solid last. Anybody but, and I you know what no you're hearing right now? Anybody but Lawless. This is Niner's version of Here's, here's Anybody but Hillary. I this am, is it right here. This is going to be my last statement. We, it's been great. And Gary puts in a ton of work. He writes everything. These are his ideas. You would think he'd win first every week because they are his ideas. But usually we get them a day ahead so we can prepare. I get tossed this five minutes before we go on air today. But, you know, but, but, but for the guy who comes up times. with the questions and, you know, a lot of them he's answered the night before and this yeah. and that. And I, I would expect them, first them, place third, every day. Wrote them in the third period last night. While Sorry, you were on the this, air no, with me? The second period. Oh, there you I go. Said the, in the second period, I squeezed them in. And then I finished while Nighty and Gosha were having a beer summer last night. Nope. I was in a right closet home, in the home. basement of T-Mobile, grinding these out and begging somebody to print them off. So, uh, oh yeah, I said I appreciate. It. I just like you could have did that yesterday morning or the game before. <laughs> no, he was reading. He was writing twenty-one thoughts. That's right. Oh, yeah, that was By very the way, good. The twenty-one thoughts was excellent. You're a Golden yeah, Knights so fan. Read that good. twenty-one thoughts. We'll Love get to that, that the, the fact check in, in a moment. But I, I will work. throw in one last kudo to Gary, and that is based on the responses that Dave and Shane offered there with the dad's trip that's a great question and i think it speaks to the importance of this kind of a trip uh whether it is the best trip that a it father a and son trip. will ever have it, it underscores the importance of it <laughs> everybody feels that way unless you're a mom <laughs> <laughs> my mom's they still mom my trips. mom's still complaining that they never well, sure, she never got i to bet do you one. your mom drove you to practice more yeah, than your dad my mom's quite vocal yeah so yeah it's uh yeah it's, it, I'll, I'll throw a postscript into the story gary that you uh, brought up last time when uh, Mike Emmerich came to uh, an AHL game in Syracuse. Part of that story I didn't mention. Coincidentally, my dad drove down from New Jersey for that game. So my dad was coming to Hershey. I didn't know Doc was going to be there. So I'm sitting in the radio booth in Hershey, calling the game. My dad's sitting two chairs over. The door opens up. Doc walks in the booth. Doc and my dad are chatting. Well, I'm calling the game. <laughs> and Doc puts on the headset. And my dad is sitting there, yeah. and he's watching me yeah, and Doc. Fantastic. I mean, talk yeah. about that. There but I go. will say, even better than that, when I was uh, the first trip to Italy, when I think I was 10 years old, with my dad and my grandfather to the home where my grandfather was born. Just the three of us. We've got a lot of family over there still. That will always take the cake for me. 
Okay, there's the quiz. Great answers. Great questions, Gary. I think you, you really nailed it. You got points just for coming up with the questions. Attaboy, lawman. But now it is time for the fact check. Now, I want to first start with one positive and one critique of myself. Okay. Ooh. Now, first off, um, the Manitoba Moose have won nine in a row, not ten. They have the second best points percentage in the American League. Do you know who's number one in the AHL right Syracuse. now? No. <laughs> Toronto? The Toronto Marlies points percentage is at 783. Watch out for those Toronto Marlies. Uh, but, yes, the Moose are uh, not far behind at 750. Now, here's the thing. We, you brought this up, and, and this comes back to the uh, the 21 thoughts. Really great stuff. I complimented you on, on the no-sick point. I believe it was bullet number eight on the 21 thoughts. Now, the okay. other thing, <laughs> the other thing that, that you brought up was the the time on ice. And in the 21 thoughts, you had referenced Cody Eakin, the difference between uh, most minutes, which was Carlson. Currently, it's at 1821. Eakin was the seventh. So a few moments ago in the program, you mentioned the difference between first and sixth. And you correctly pointed to Eric Halla, who's number sixth. I said Eakin because I remember that's what you had in your story. So... You were right. I jumped the gun in trying to correct you. You had your story right. You had your facts straight on the show. You slew-footed me. So, <laughs> so in fact, yes, here, here they are, the forwards in order in time on ice per game. Carlson, Smith, Perron, Neal, Marcia So, Halla 6th, Eakin 7th, and then you go down the list to Tuck, Leipzig, Lindbergh, Belmar, Nosick, Carrier, and Mateau. So nice job, Gary. I tried to correct you. I was off by one. Your story and your commentary were accurate, and I was uh, too quick to pull the trigger. Well, there. I like that. A self-critique. Okay. A so rare self-critique. I, like I say it. that now as we turn to the three stars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sheriff's number three today. It's close between Gosher and the lawman. And uh, I really thought what sold me for Dave today was the the realization about Toronto. As much as the overreaction in Montreal is significant, I heard an inter interview with Lou Lamarillo on the radio yesterday speaking about this point, the mecca that is Toronto. And Dave, you brought up some of the same points that, that Lou was alluding to. But uh, that, along with the story at, at uh, Joe's Bar, Gary had some excellent stuff. I love the uh, the bringing up Forbes and the 14th most, most valuable franchise now. Uh, there's some great stuff, but it's a very close one today. It's going to be gauche. The champion. By, a by new champion. The first, thinnest, first ever, so you can go celebrate. It's the thinnest. Lou Lamorello. So the long it's bar it's the, the If it's Syracuse or Italian, the connection for Lou Lamorello. Only I had three today. Because Lou Lamorello blessed Gosher's commentary. Right, right. It's like the Pope. I appreciate that. Thank you, Lou. Stepped Rhode in. Islander, by the way. You forget that Rhode I used Island. to work for the Devils, too, Gary. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Dan, great choice on the three stars. You're this welcome. Week. Yes. Well done. So I, I'm just going to say this. Uh, if, that was about if, as close as a call as we've had, though. There, we, need to, we need to settle this right here and now. If anyone thinks there is an unfair advantage with me preparing uh, the podcast, and I don't do it alone. Uh, our our boss, Eric Tosi, uh, uh, plays a major role in this. I'm happy to pass the torch. Well, I, I never said it was unfair. I, think I just said fantastic the, the timing of there it was, was a little lax. There was an implication. So if you want to be the IOC, no, I just know what you you're going to do. That, uh, you think that my, my pee bottle is a little fishy? I'm happy to pass it along. Oh, oh, ban the country. No, it's ban just, Russia? I would like ban time loss. to prepare. That's all I'm saying. Because the expansion one, you did a whole hit on AT&T Sportsnet on Seattle last night. 
You and, got to and, watch and you it. Study you it. got to watch no, it. I had something going on. <laughs> <laughs> busy man. Oh boy. Okay, so I, I, I have I no objections it. to you doing yeah, it. I just would like a good chance to rebuttal. Chirp. I'll say again. I'm just amazed that you guys care so much about this. I'm I'm just blown away. This is fantastic. You know what's great? I've never wielded such power. Remember, I came in early on, and you know when when the first star meant something before everybody else. They didn't even care about it. They didn't care about it, but I drove the competition. Now you see these guys bringing it every day. All right, so, so Sheriff, and I said this I was going to lay off these last couple times just you, to let them feel good true, about themselves. That's true, but now, now you've got to be careful you don't embarrass yourself. You've got to get back no in the window. I have no trouble embarrassing myself. I have no, no you ever problem. See our, have you seen his get-ups? Have contact with my contact <laughs> <laughs> was in his boxers? <laughs> oh, my heavens. Hey, let's do another one of these programs sometime soon so we can hash this out. I vote yeah. for the long bar at the D. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm in. Uh, Derek Stevens, Darren Banks, and everybody at the D Hotel, um, great to have them on board as our presenting sponsor, the official downtown hotel of the Vegas Golden Knights and our presenting sponsor for the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. So, yeah, a staff meeting, the hotel, long bar. Stick tap to uh, Mike Mangello, our, uh, our our sponsorship man, who uh, who hooked that up. Thanks, Munch. Good job. Atta boy, Munch. Thumbs up. Put yourself in for an extra vacation day with pay. Just stop yawning <laughs> here at the end of the podcast. That's all. <laughs> well, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Another episode of the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast presented by the D-Hotel. We'll talk to you again soon.